Section 1 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 8, March, 1897. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Storms and Weather Forecasts by Professor Willis L. Moore, Chief of the United States Weather Bureau. Part 1. While the practical application of meteorological science to the making of weather forecasts will never reach the degree of accuracy attained by theoretical astronomy in predicting the date of an eclipse or the return of a comet, meteorology has made during the last century such substantial progress as to seriously engage the attention of thoughtful man and to cause him to make special effort to apply the knowledge gained to the commerce and industry of the world. Comparing meteorology with astronomy, we may say that it passed through the Chaldean and Ptolemaic periods with the invention of the barometer and thermometer early in the 17th century. It reached the Copernican stage with the discovery of the rotary and progressive motion of storms, and that it now awaits the genius of a Kepler or the magic intuition of a Newton to unravel the mysteries that still baffle the student. But it is doubtful whether any other branch of science, unless it be electricity, has shown more wonderful progress during the past quarter century. Where man but a few years ago, on account of his limited range of vision, thought that chaos reigned supreme, we are now able, by the aid of daily meteorological observations and the wonderful telegraph joining our cities by an electrical touch, to trace out the harmonious operations of many physical laws that previously were unknown. Practical meteorology is to some extent a tentative work, it may be placed upon a plane with the theory and practice of medicine and surgery. The forecaster is, in a degree, guided in his calculations by symptoms, and he is able to diagnose the atmospheric conditions with about the same degree of accuracy that the physician is able to determine the bodily condition of the patient. He is able to forecast changes in the weather with rather more certainty than the skilled physician can predict the course of a well-defined disease. As to the genesis of weather forecasting, it must be said that to the immortal Franklin belongs the credit of divining that storms have a rotary motion, and that they progress in an easterly direction. To be sure, without the aid of the telegraph, and of simultaneous observations, his discovery was little more than a speculation. Nevertheless, it was one of those sagacious anticipations of coming knowledge, which mark the true scientific genius. Grand as a patriot, Able as a statesman and diplomat, he was no less great as a student in the broad domain of science. He was one of the isolated figures that stand so far in advance of the knowledge of their day as often to be imperfectly understood. His idea of drawing the lightning from the clouds and identifying it with the electric currents of the earth was capable of physical demonstration, but his contemporaries did not appreciate his philosophy of storms, written in a fragmentary manner before 1750 and so it remained for redfield espy henry loomis maury and other americans one hundred years later to gather the data and completely establish that which the great franklin so accurately had outlined american meteorologists can justly take pride in the achievements of these their countrymen in eighteen fifty five professor joseph henry of the smithsonian institution collected by telegraph observations from a number of stations and displayed a large map showing the meteorological conditions at these points 
but the breaking out of the civil war caused him to suspend his reports he made oral forecasts and used his charts for the purpose of demonstrating the utility of a government meteorological service and the feasibility of making forecasts from daily telegraphic synchronous observations if there were no other achievements to the credit of this great institution the work of professor henry in connection with practical meteorology would alone be sufficient to command the admiration of all who love knowledge because of the benefits it confers upon man as we glance into the past and hastily note the mileposts along the highways of science the lives and actions of those who gave new thoughts or who by their discoveries opened up useful and diverging paths stand like lofty beacon towers marking the rugged pathway pursued by advancing civilization professor buys ballot of utrecht induced holland to establish a weather service with telegraphic reports and forecasts in eighteen sixty england followed with a similar service in eighteen sixty one and france in eighteen sixty three the united states was the fourth government to establish a permanent weather service although its scientists were the pioneers in discovering the progressive character of storms and in demonstrating the practicability of weather services in eighteen sixty nine professor cleveland abbe published a weather bulletin and forecast at cincinnati based upon simultaneous observations secured by telegraph from about thirty stations from the introduction of the electromagnetic telegraph in eighteen forty four down to eighteen sixty nine intermittent and desultory advocations for a government weather service were made by many in this country finally dr increase a lapin of milwaukee student scientist and philanthropist so aroused the property and industrial interests of the country by the facts that he presented relative to the destruction of life and property by storms on lake michigan that congress under the provisions of a bill introduced by general halbert e payne was induced to appropriate money to initiate such a service to general albert j meyer chief signal officer of the united states army was entrusted the duty of inaugurating a tentative weather service by deploying over the country as observers the military signalmen of his command the system by which the united states weather bureau collects meteorological observations and makes weather forecasts may be briefly described as follows this morning at eight o'clock washington time which by the way is about seven o'clock at chicago six o'clock at denver and five o'clock at san francisco the observers at about one hundred and fifty stations scattered throughout the united states were taking their observations and from carefully tested and standardized instruments noting all the elementary conditions of the air at the bottom of the great aerial ocean in which we live and which by its variations of heat and cold sunshine cloud and tempest affects not only the health and happiness of man but his commercial and industrial welfare by eight twenty five a m the necessary mathematical corrections have been made the observations have been reduced to cipher and each has been filed at the local telegraph office during the next thirty or forty minutes these observations with the right-of-way over all lines are speeding to their destinations each station contributing its own observations and receiving in return by an ingenious system of telegraph circuits such observations from other stations as it may require the observations from all stations are received at such centers as washington chicago new york and other large cities and nearly all cities having a weather bureau station receive a sufficient number of reports from other cities to justify the issuing of a daily weather map 
before examining the accompanying charts it may be well to glance at the central office in washington while the observations are coming in so as to get an idea of how the charts are made for the study of the forecast official from these he gets a panoramic view not only of the exact conditions of the air over the whole country at the moment of taking the observations one hour before but of the changes which have occurred in those conditions during the preceding twenty-four hours as fast as the reports come from the wires they are passed to the forecast division where a reader stands in the middle of the room and translates the cipher into figures and words of intelligible sequence a force of clerks is engaged in making graphic representations of the geographical distribution of the different meteorological elements on blank charts of the united states each clerk copies from the translator that part of each station's report needed in the construction of his particular chart one clerk constructs a chart showing the change in temperature during the preceding twenty-four hours broad red lines separate the colder from the warmer regions and narrow red lines enclose areas showing changes in temperature of more than ten degrees the narrow lines generally run in oval or circular form indicating as will be shown subsequently that atmospheric disturbances move and operate in the form of great progressive eddies that there are central points of intensity from which the force of the disturbance diminishes in all directions a second clerk constructs a chart showing the change that has occurred in the barometer during the past twenty-four hours as in the construction of the temperature chart broad heavy lines of red separate the regions of rising barometer from those of falling barometer narrow lines enclose the areas over which the change in barometer has been greater than one-tenth and so on here for instance throughout a great expanse of territory all the barometers are rising that is to say the air cools contracts becomes denser and presses with greater force upon the surface of the mercury in the cisterns of the instruments thereby sustaining the columns of liquid metal at a greater height in the vacuum tubes over another considerable area the barometers are falling as increasing temperature rarefies and expands the volume of the air causing it to press upon the instruments with less force this chart is extremely useful to the forecaster since in connection with the general weather chart it indicates whether or not the storm centers are increasing or decreasing in intensity and what is of more importance it gives in a great measure the first warning of the formation of storms a third clerk constructs two charts one showing the humidity of the air and the other the cloud areas with the kind amount and direction of the clouds at each station it is often interesting to observe at a station on the cloud chart high cirrus clouds composed of minute ice spiculae moving from one direction lower cumulostratus composed of condensed water vapor moving from another direction and the wind at the surface of the earth blowing from a third point of the compass such erratic movements of the air strata are only observed immediately before or during rain or wind storms a fourth clerk constructs a chart called the general weather chart showing for each station the air temperature and pressure the velocity and direction of the wind the rain or snowfall since the last report and the amount of cloudiness the readings of the barometer on this chart are reduced to sea level so that the variations in pressure due to local altitudes may not mask and obscure those due to storm formation then lines called isobars are drawn through places having the same pressure by drawing isobars for each difference in pressure of one-tenth of an inch the high and low pressure areas 
are soon enclosed in their proper circles the word high is written at the centre of the region of greatest air pressure and the word low at the centre of the area of least pressure under the influence of gravity the air presses downward and outward in all directions thus causing it to flow from a region of great pressure toward one of less the velocity with which the wind moves from the high toward the low will depend largely on the difference in air pressure to better illustrate if the barometer read twenty nine point five at chicago and thirty point five at bismarck north dakota the difference of one inch in pressure would cause the air to move from bismarck toward chicago so rapidly that after allowing for the resistance of the ground there would remain a wind at the surface of the earth of about fifty miles per hour and lake michigan would experience a severe northwester the forecaster knows that high pressure and low pressure areas drift across the country from the west toward the east at the rate of about six hundred miles daily or about thirty seven miles per hour in winter and twenty two miles per hour in summer that the highs are attended by dry clear and cooler weather and that they are drawing down by a vortical action of their centers the cold air from great altitudes above the clouds and causing it to flow away laterally along the surface of the earth in all directions from the center and that the high pressure areas sometimes become so intense in their vortical motion as to draw down such vast volumes of cold air that we call them cold waves in the downward movement of the air in cold waves we must concede that the loss of heat by radiation through a cloudless atmosphere is much greater than that dynamically gained by compression or else we must assume that the air possesses such intense cold at the elevation from which it is drawn that notwithstanding the heat gained by compression in its descent it is still far below the normal temperature of the air near the surface of the earth the forecaster knows that although these intense high-pressure areas first appear in the extreme northwest they do not depend on the land of their birth for the cold they bring to us and that cold waves are not simply immense rivers of air which have been chilled by flowing over the great snow and ice fields of the arctic regions as was once thought he is also familiar with the fact that in the low-pressure areas the conditions of the air and its various movements are exactly the reverse of what they are in the high that the air is much warmer and moister and that it is drawn spirally inward from all directions instead of being forced outward as in the high that it ascends as it approaches the centre of the depression sometimes causing rain or snow as it cools by expansion during its ascent or as it encounters and mixes with air strata of lower temperature than its own we know that while our atmosphere expands upward to an altitude probably of fifty miles it is so elastic and its expansion is so rapid as it recedes from the earth that half of its mass lies below the three-mile level and that our storms and cold waves are simply great swirls or eddies of the lower stratum of probably not more than five miles in thickness that the air above the six-mile level probably flows serenely eastward in these latitudes without being disturbed by our most severe storms the forecaster is further aware of the fact that our high pressure and low pressure areas alternately drift eastward in periods that average about three days each that they are not in any sense the product of chance but are part of that great divine economy that provides for seed time and harvest for by the action of the lows the warm vapor-bearing currents are sucked inland from the gulf and the ocean 
and carried far over the continent so that their moisture is condensed and scattered over the plains rendering them tillable and suitable for the habitation of man that the highs in drying down the cool pure air from above scatter and diffuse the carbonic acid gas exhaled by animal life and the fetid gases emanating from decaying organic matter that the cold waves created by these high pressure areas are among the most beneficent gifts of nature for their clear dense air not only gives us more oxygen with each inspiration of the lungs but the abnormally high electrification that always accompanies such air invigorates man and all other animal life that the cold north wind if it be dry as it usually is brings physical energy and mental buoyancy in its mighty breath that four-sevenths of all our storms come from the north plateau region of the rocky mountains and pass from this arid or sub-arid region easterly over the lakes and new england producing but scanty rainfall that the greater part of the remaining three-sevenths have their inception in the arid region of our southwestern states and that as they move northeastward they can nearly always be depended on to give bountiful rain and that many of them cross the atlantic and affect the continent of europe that a few and by far the most severe wind and rainstorms that touch any portion of our country originate in the west indies and travel in a northwesterly direction until they touch our gulf or south atlantic coast when they recurve to the northeast and sweep out along our atlantic seaboard during the prevalence of droughts in the great central valleys all the low pressure or storm conditions form in the middle or north plateau region of the rocky mountains when such droughts are broken it is usually accomplished by lows that form in arizona new mexico or texas for many years spent in daily watching the formation progression and dissipation of storms the forecaster well knows that at times by an accretion of force not shown by observations taken at the bottom of the ocean of air storms suddenly develop dangerous and unexpected energy or pursue courses not anticipated in his forecast or that the barometer at the center of the storm rises without any premonition and gradually dissipates the energy of the cyclonic whirl these are a few of the generalizations of which the forecaster takes cognizance and which guide him in his deductions in brief he carefully notes the developments and movements in the air conditions during the preceding twenty-four hours and from the knowledge thus gained he makes an empirical estimate of what the weather will be in the different sections of the country the following day by preserving the weather charts each day and noting the movements of the highs and the lows any intelligent person can make an accurate forecast for himself always remembering that the lows as they drift toward him from the west bring warm weather and sometimes rain or snow and that as they pass his place of observation the highs following in the tracks of the lows will bring cooler and probably fair weather. End of part one.